2: The game. the game is ridiculous. It's the people's radio. Right it's all the G in your headphones. Allow me to introduce
1: the illustrious Twee Man, who Marcus the, the game changer, the Seventh Jackson,
0: the Will, the ill executive. He's like, he's like, he's like shooting night without the anger management issues Bill P, the sports, P-A-C This dude is coming at like small angles, got, he's got all the bases covered uh, There's not a whole lot about sports this brother
2: don't know Can you dig it? Featuring Ray,
0: Ray, Ray, Ray.
2: Justice Page. Eric Hamilton. RC fan is like. woo. Now I I blame it on Nintendo. <laughs>
0: There's definitely a gin party around here Definitely a gin party Don't bring any
2: Kool-Aid
0: It don't get no better than this, baby
2: I want winners. You guys act like this. Pick it up a little bit Okay? Get your chin up Can be peace.
0: Don't get no more realer. Right back at you with another one. The return of the big show. the Real Sports Guys, RealSportsGuys.com. RSD Renegade Radio brought to you by Carbon World Health. Your complete solution for fitness, health, and beauty. Go to CarbonWorldHealth.com to connect with Dr. Nestor Rodriguez and his staff to learn more about lifestyle medicine. And tell them that the Real Sports Guy sent you. We back in full effect. We got the three-man booth at maximum strength (laughs) in the house. (laughs) Fellas, how y'all doing, man? It's been a long time. We shouldn't have left you. We back in the house. It's your host, Marcus, the Game Changer, one-third of the illustrious three-man booth. Before we get into the proceedings this evening, allow me to say you could have been anywhere in the world, but you're here with us, and we appreciate your patronage. Now, with no further ado, allow me to introduce the other two-thirds of the illustrious three-man booth. To my right, I got my man, D Wills, holler at the people. Man, I feel like starting
3: a three-man weave. I just want to take the proper 45-degree angle to the basket. I just feel like I'm, I'm ready to go with y'all, man. I, I've been excited to think about it all day, you know. And uh, I'm, I'm ready to, I'm ready to just load up in the corner and, and, and let you do what you do, man. It's good to be back with the big three doing what we do. And we got a lot to talk about, so I'm excited. Absolutely, man. It, it, the key is to make sure you hit that, uh,
0: you hit that uh, bounce pass on the finish. All right? Yeah. I've been coaching. I've been, I've been, I've been coaching, man. You better hit that bounce pass on the finish, man. You better hit field team with that bounce pass. we doing it again. You don't throw that bounce pass at me, and we running that back. Right.
2: No drive, no
0: travel. Finish with a bounce pass. That's all I ask. That's all I
2: ask. <laughs> well,
0: we going to keep this thing rolling, man, on my left. I got my man, Phil T. Sports, P-A-Z. What's happening, Captain? I missed y'all. I'm trying to get too emotional, but I missed y'all. Appreciate that, man. Yeah, it's been a minute, man. Life life has got us going in all different kind of directions. but We're going to pull this thing back together for the fans, the people. You got to get the people what they want. So that's what we're going to do. This is the People's Radio. We are the People's Champs. And the and, and the people's champs must be everything that the people can't be. And that's why we're here, all right? That's what we're trying to do. That's what we're trying to make happen. This is a movement. This is a revolution of radio, and we are the real sports guys.
3: Yeah, I'm going to say this. You know, that's why we call Phil Dr. Dre, because he, he's looking at us like, when we get back in the studio. <laughs> Come on now. Get back in the studio. You know, y'all out there touring, playing them away games. I get back in the studio, so I miss you two brothers. <laughs> absolutely, you're playing them away games. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we didn't put on a rundown, but I definitely want to hear how your tourist experience was. But we'll we'll hopefully find time for
0: that. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, we got it. We got to get into that. We can start with that, man. We can start with that before we even get into things. But this portion of the show is called yeah. the intro to let them know this is where we give you a quick rundown of everything that we have in store. Again, the Real Sports Guys, realsportsguys.com. RSG Renegade Radio brought to you by Carbon World Health. Uh, Man, we got the funky editorial, the classic segment that we always do. Uh, We're going to talk about Heisman Trophy winners. Um, Unfortunately, Rashawn Salam, former Colorado running back, passed away. Heisman Trophy winner, Chicago Bear, first-round draft pick, um, passed away. Um, And just another tragic ending to the... Life and career of a Heisman Trophy winner. Um, so we, we're gonna delve into the archives and just kind of talk about Heisman Trophy winners that we were like really excited about seeing in the pros and it just quite didn't quite work out. You know, it just didn't quite happen. So we're gonna talk about that in the funky editorial. We're gonna hit you off with a five on the black hand side, but we're gonna get into the NFL season um, and just kind of recap it. I mean, we're getting toward the end. Fantasy football playoffs are starting. Um, we kind of have an idea of where things are going, who the contenders are. And we, we're going to talk about kind of which of these contenders are we really buying. Who do we believe in? Uh, then we're going to get into some NBA. Oh, man. There's so much going on right now. Um, Clay Thompson went for 60 points last night um, in a game that I was going to watch. But then I saw the halftime score, and I just was like, never mind. I didn't know he was going nuts during the game. <laughs> I just flipped to it as halftime was starting and I thought it was eighty to fifty at halftime and I told I turned to my wife and I said, The Warriors scored eighty points and a half. I'm not watching that. <laughs> <laughs> it was eighty to fifty at halftime. I was like I don't want to watch a blowout basketball game. I just didn't feel like it. Um, I didn't at all. So uh we go we're gonna get into that. We're gonna talk about LeBron and feel. you know, what's beef?
2: <laughs>
0: What's <Well>, beef? <laughs> beef is when you make enemies enemy start to Jeep. You know, uh, then we're going to get into uh, the NCAA football playoffs, which is coming up around the corner. The uh, championship games have been played. We're going to give you our insight and our thoughts on how everything played out during the college football season. And then PhD, the Dr. Dre of the Crew is going to hit y'all off with the last word. So that's what we have for you all tonight we going to plow through all of this material, all of this content, and give you what you've been waiting for, which is the Renegades back on the radio in full effect. But before we get into that, D. Will, uh, you, well, actually, PhD, right? You went and saw Jodeci. Tell us about this. Jodeci in concert. What is that like?
1: Unfortunately, fellas, I was not able to go to see Jodeci. I had a tough decision. Oh, it was, it was either that or the Cotton Bowl. And I will be going to the Cotton Bowl to see my hometown, Western Michigan University, play against them Ambassadors. Okay. Okay.
3: So you, so you slip it. So so I went to see them in Chicago. And, <laughs> uh, man, first the Airy Crown Theater. Great place, great venue. But they got this rule that they don't like you standing up. And I'm like, well, how are we going to have this kind of concert and black folks ain't going to stand up like, I don't know if this going to work And Jody came out And said forget this corporate stuff I want all y'all coming down <laughs> Everybody rushed towards the stage I was like these security folks Are not going to know what to do with folks from south side West side Chicago They just got out the way And it, they just took over the venue
4: uh,
3: Incredible experience Devontae Stone I didn't know if he was on something But he kept making it sound like whoop and I was like, what is he doing? But the energy was there. They did their thing. Uh, yeah, we, it was it was a good experience. So I was hoping to see what it was like in Detroit, you know, because Chicago and Detroit are those venues. I don't care what genre of music you're in. When you're going through those cities, you got to bring your a game. And so I wanted to get a sense of how it was in Detroit. But it was, you know, H-Town did their thing, Silk. You know, it was just good. Folks in Chicago had a good time. It Was good to be in the venue, you know, in the current climate, and just have people smiling. You know, it was good to be around an audience that was just having a good time. So, I recommend anytime you have a chance to go see something, Harry Crown. You know, stay, stay, stay there on the property at the height. Go see the, go see the 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 the, the, the concert, and then just hang out. It was a great time. So, I will uh, go see them again. But if I was like Phil, between that and going to see close to combo, I, I probably would go to Western uh see Western Wisconsin as well. I probably wouldn't go and see them either. So uh, I think you made the right choice. Yeah,
0: and it's it, it, yeah, the Western team, um Coach Fleck is a is a great coach, man. Um and that that dude is gonna be at a high major school um before you know it. Um he's he's created a real culture out at Western Michigan. Um he he popped up on my radar um, you know, being a coach, I, I talked to other coaches and our football coaches at our high school were really talking about they went and saw him speak and just how they like got a language, Bronconese, you know what I mean, that they speak at Western Michigan. Mm-hmm. It's just crazy how he's created this whole vibe and culture at that at, at that school that you know, has had a pretty good football program for a long time. Like right? they've had some good players come through, Greg Jennings, he went there correct, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken. Uh, hey. Greg Jennings. Yeah. Right, so they've had they've had you know he's a Packer so I know I know of him. They've had some good football players come through there, um, and so it's just it's just a uh, it's it's good to see what he's done. It'll be good to see them kind of get a chance to showcase that program um, against another uh, against a high major program in Wisconsin. Um, so I'm glad you got tickets to see that man. Get some heat, get some sun. Um, you know, black black man got to be careful going to play any place called Cotton Bowl though. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know. I love it.
3: Yeah, cause I, I might be down there with you still, so we, you know, I, I, I'm still figuring it out. But, yeah, the Cotton Bowl kind of yeah. throwing me off, but I will. You know, I might be in the building. All right. right, out of all the names that they decided to
0: keep.
2: Because <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of crazy names
0: out there now, but they kept the Cotton Bowl. <laughs> you know, I,
3: I like the poinsettia bowl, but, yeah, the Cotton ball just kind of throw it off, the imagery. Just don't feel right, but like, you know you we know, gotta go do what we got to do. And uh, you know you got Jack Harbaugh there too, is a, in that coaching line over at West Michigan as well. So you want the history, you know. And then uh, I would say, you know, Fleck was uh, he's, a, he's a former NIU Husky, So, you know uh, that's why all the So I, I like I like that lineage as well. So it's gonna be a battle. Wisconsin gotta figure out how to win it.
0: Well, let's go ahead and jump into this, fellas. Um, again, sadly to say, Rashawn Salam has passed away. Mm. Um, found dead in a park in Colorado. Mm. Um, you now, Rashawn kind of smoked himself out of the league. He he started off. He had a, his first season. He rushed for a thousand yards. Um, he kind of barely made the mark. I think he had like a thousand eight. That's what I'm remembering off the top of my head. Um, and he had a decent rookie season. But, it, you know, he had a couple suspensions for marijuana, got relief, couldn't catch on, and, you know, it, it just kind of looks like it kind of snowballed for him, um, and he just was never able to really recover and get himself back on track. Um, as we reflect on kind of his experience and his life as a uh, football player, you know, D. Wills poses the question, what are some other Heisman winners who we had high hopes for, Um but they just never really kind of panned out. PHD, I want you to start us off. Wow,
1: um I really like this question and this topic. And given how poorly I project talent to the next level, specifically <laughs> football, specifically quarterbacks. We all know my Achilles Smith prediction that he was gonna be a Hall of Famer. Um Probably probably in my top ten of bad predictions is a Heisman Trophy winner who played for the Lions um, when I was a young teenager. Um, not an old teenager, but a young teenager. It was Andre Ware. Yeah. In Houston. Um, just kind of looking through here, he won the Heisman, and he got 27% of the vote. Um. I'm sorry, 38% of the vote. This was the next lowest person uh, in the modern era to win the Heisman um, with with that low was was Eric Crouch with, like, 20-something percent. Um, So it wasn't like he was a dominant uh, Heisman winner. Um, During that year, Anthony Thompson, a running a running back from Indiana, Major Harris, Tony Rice, and Darian Hagan, three of my favorite college quarterbacks. Andre Ware was a guy who was putting up crazy numbers in college, five, six, 700-yard games, uh, running the – remember the offense they used to run? Anybody remember the name? The run and shoot. Yeah, the run yep. and shoot. Yep. The run and shoot that uh, – you know, and, and he got drafted by Detroit Wayne Fonts, and you know, they already had Rocky Pete and that was just kind of a musical chair situation for a handful of years. And there was some years he played really well. You know, thinking of my mom, she loved Andre Ware. <laughs> she loved Andre Ware. <laughs> And thinking back, I mean, this was back in the in the '80s, early '90s. There weren't a ton of black quarterbacks, and so, mm-hmm. you know, Detroit had two, in Rodney Pete and in uh, Ware. But he, 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 Ware just was never consistent enough. But if if you ask me, man, I thought Andre Ware was going to come in the league and be an all pro for ten years.
0: That's yeah cool and, and I was with you on that. I was a big Andre Ware fan too. I was just a fan of any black quarterback. My favorite football player when I was a kid was Warren Moon. Um yeah, you know my you know my Techmo Bowl game. You know, I had to run with Q B Eagles.
2: <laughs>
0: All day, every day. Q B Eagles, baby.
2: <laughs>
0: so D Wills, who was your pick? Who was that Heisman winner that you really kinda had a thing for and it just didn't quite the curl didn't quite turn over. Wow, and I
3: looked at the Andre Ware one, so I'm glad you brought that one up. This one is uh, mine. I just looked back on it and looked at it, and the thing that just popped out easily for me is Reggie Bush. When you think about how dominant he was, I think he got like 91% of the first-place votes uh, for the Heisman. Um, I think he had, um, um, in terms of all-purpose yards, uh, the most yards I think since what Marcus Allen. Um you know, you, I thought that he would come in uh the league and, and 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 be dominant.
1: You know, that
3: um you know, he would uh come in and 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 really impact the league. And he's had some success, but not the kind of success that that we anticipated that he would have. I thought he would be closer to a Marshall Fault type of impact in the league, you know, given he came in with that Marshall fault energy was still relevant. People were thinking about that as a kind of a back, and that, you know, to me, I thought he would be able to have that and just the injuries and, you know, he's got a Super Bowl ring, I believe, but, you know, he's got some of those personal accolades and the way in which he would have an impact in the game. I thought that he would be closer to a kind of a martial fall career than he's been given how dominant he was um, in college. So Reggie Bush was mine because I just – you couldn't have told me that he wasn't going to have an impact. Um, because there's too many ways for him to impact the game.
0: Yeah, that that was actually mine too. But I'm gonna go a different direction when I do get mine. But I do want to speak on Reggie Bush for a second, um, and just speak to a, a general trend that I see um, amongst young African American men out there, and it's something that I just think on this platform I need to address. Um, and I, I really need. I want to take a moment. I'm gonna kinda <laughs> kind of shift gears and get a little serious for a second. But brothers, okay. y'all need to leave them Kardashians alone. <laughs> Kanye all messed up. Lamar Odom ain't been right. Reggie Bush career Probably. done. It, 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 when the last time you heard a good song from Ray J? Pre Kim. So you see what I'm saying? I <laughs> This is a PSA to all the young brothers out there, man. Tiger, get out while you can, brother. Get out while you can. Her last name's Jenner, but she got them Kardashian jeans. All right, you gotta get out while you can, dude. <laughs> It's not going to end well for you. This is like a horror movie, man. It's like uh, uh, the Body Snatchers or something. Like, these brothers, they walk in and then they come out different. (laughs) Like, talented brothers, they go into that family and they come out and it's just not the same no more. You know what I'm saying? Chris Humphrey didn't even last 70 days. (laughs) He salvaged what little bit of ability he had left by getting out early. And he's been able to be a dream in the NBA.
2: (laughs) <laughs> he didn't let, he didn't out. get sucked
0: dry. He <laughs> didn't get sucked dry. And he had a heck of a time getting a contract after that whole mess, man. It's a jeep. It's a curse. Don't do it to yourself. That's all I got to say about Reggie Bush. Alright, Reggie Bush should have been one of the greatest. But he messed around with one of them Kardashians, man, and it's over. Kanye learning his lesson right now. I'm telling you, man, man if you mess with the Kardashian, you wind up checking yourself into a mental hospital. <laughs> You gotta stay away from it, man. You can't trust it. Come back to
3: the shot, Kanye. Come back, baby. Come back to the
0: Midwest, man. Kanye, uh, Kanye heard he can't come back home.
2: <laughs>
3: man, right. He heard
0: that when he was back home, though. I'm um, <laughs> just saying. So that's that, that, I, Reggie Bush was mine too, and that that was my angle, that, man. That, that brother, he had to, he had to, he was, he was like Mike Vick as far as like being like that cultural folk hero, and he may have been bigger than Vic when Vic came out of Virginia Tech, and when Vic was Vic's first couple years in the league, where Vic took the world by storm, Reggie Bush kind of had that same kind of hype, where it was like, this dude could do anything on the football field. And messing around with them Kardashians, man. He started out, he had a little spark at the beginning. You know, he was putting his career together, and then he started messing with them Kardashians, and it ain't been right since. I mean, he just ain't been right since. Milk carton. Um... Mine the one, my secondary, my second pick. And this this goes back to my childhood, my early teen years. Um, Charlie Ward, man, I ride, I rode hard for Charlie Ward. Again, man, black quarterbacks. Again, my favorite player as a kid was Warren Moon. And then when they draft, when the Oilers drafted Steve McNair, they became like that was my favorite team as a kid. The Houston Oilers, like they was just like black. That was just like <laughs> that was just it, man. You had Warren Moon and Steve McNair. I'm oh, in. That's my squad right there. <laughs> <laughs> they had Ernest Gibbons, the electric slide.
2: <laughs>
0: you know what I'm saying?
2: Hey,
0: man, that was my team. And they ran the run and shoot. And they ran the run and shoot, man. Yeah. And, you know, you had Air McNair coming in. And I thought they was going to have him running that run and shoot, too. Man, they switched up the whole situation on McNair. But that's a whole other situation. Uh, but Charlie Ward, man, that was at, when he was at Florida State. Um, I mean, he, was, he could throw it. He could run it. He was a basketball player. I mean, this dude did everything. And I just felt like when he didn't get drafted, it kind of broke my heart. But it was that realization. It was like the first time I realized that, like, just because you're good in college doesn't mean, like, people think you're going to be a good pro. And that was when it kind of hit me. Like, I was expecting him to be, like, a first-round pick. And when he didn't get drafted at all, I was, like, shocked. I was like, wait a minute. Like, how are you not going to draft Charlie Ward? You know what I mean? And obviously the basketball piece kind of played a part in it, but it was just like this dude was really talented at football, and he chose basketball. He had a great basketball career, a long basketball career. Um, but it was, just one, it was just kind of that first realization where, you know, it was just like I realized, like, just because you're good in, in college, whether it be basketball or football, doesn't make you a good pro prospect. Um, and that was kind of the first time I really kind of got that dose of reality when it comes to rooting for college athletes and expecting them to be great pros, it don't always work out. Um, so, young 13-year-old game changer um, had to learn that through Charlie Ward. So, yeah. that, that's kind of my selection right there, man. Um, but Charlie Ward was my guy. Another guy who I, Tommy Frazier, him and Charlie Ward, those were my guys, man. Yeah. Tommy Fraser, Nebraska quarterback. I, man, Tommy couldn't throw, though. <laughs> I, I, I not nah. do that. Well, <laughs> I thought Tommy had a shot at being something else in the league But I knew Tommy wasn't going to be no quarterback But Tommy was a winner, man
3: Yeah, Charlie Ward That was one I looked at it, I felt like uh, It would have been just like What would his career Because I believe he could have played So I was one of those cats with didn't accept the fact that did draft I was arguing And I was like I felt like He was, you know If you were looking at Charlie Ward right now, he'd get drafted that I think they would see we could bring to the table. I just felt like they did not look through a lens that was projecting him to be a starter. For some reason they had, at that time, it was so many very old people losing to, to kind of neg- negatively evaluate a black quarterback that I don't think he was getting the benefit of the doubt. You know, there was nothing about Charlie Ward that was different than my talent in terms of athleticism, his ability to throw, or whatever. So you know, it was, I was surprised that he didn't get drafted, and I was, you know, I was, you know, I'm a little bit older than you, but I was disappointed in arguing. Yeah, we it was nearly, probably, got into some some near tussles, <laughs> I over Charlie Ward, because I felt like they did him wrong. He had basketball <laughs> football, um, <laughs> to fall into, but I felt like they did him wrong.
0: <laughs> so, P. A. D. Was there anybody who was kind of a, a, a next up on your list? That maybe you would that you know you you thought you had a you had a that had a you know you had a soft spot for it. you had you thought they had had something but it didn't quite work out
3: desmond
1: howard i mean desmond had a uh... desmond had a good a good moment in the super Bowl when he won the championship with green bay unfortunately i think that really overshadowed his entire um Overshadowed in a good way his entire NFL career um, because essentially he was he was just a return guy. I mean, he I'm looking at the stats right now. He caught a total of 1600 yards. 1600 yards for his entire career. Um, but you know, I mean, he made it a niche and, and clearly he's doing well after football or his broadcasting career. But Desmond, I thought, would be a guy. That you know, I thought he'd be uh, Anthony Carter type. Um, Anthony Carter was a a top-level receiver at Michigan, uh, probably what five or ten years before, probably closer to ten years before Desmond got there. And you know, I just thought that Desmond would be one of those shifty, slab receivers that would create a lot of mismatches, but it never worked for him.
0: Yeah, and I think he – he I think actually he was probably better suited for today's style where you're going to put yeah. three receivers on the field um, and, you know, you put him in a slot. He reminds me of – when I when I think of Desmond's game, I think of Randall Cobb who plays for the Green Bay Packers, a yeah. guy like that, who can – you know, sometimes they put him in the backfield, but not like in a gadgety way, not like Tavon Austin where the Rams is always talking about they're going to give Tavon Austin 50 million touches and he gets like four. Um, but – and they use him in a real way. Um and he he is a real receiver and they run him on routes and they throw him the ball and, and you know, I think if Desmond had have been uh coming out nowadays he'd be he'd be better suited for today's NFL where you know it isn't all about size and speed. If you know how to run routes and you have some shiftiness, you can get some slot work and there's are just multiple looks and multiple formations that teams use to utilize players. Um, you know, I think he just came up in the wrong era and just didn't quite catch. I mean, he went to the Redskins and the Redskins. I mean, at that time, you know, they had just missed on Heath Schuler, um, and so yeah, it just wasn't a, it just wasn't a really good situation. <laughs> you know, um, so
3: and, another
1: guy for me was, was Ron Dang. Um, yeah, I was yeah. Ron another one. Yep. Yeah, I you know. I I thought Ron would have a much better NFL career because it feels like around the time Ron was coming into the league, the league was making a shift from, you know, the I-backs and the pounders to all of a sudden we're going to spread it out and we need running backs to be more. Than just running between the tackles and get me four to five yards on a good carry. We need guys that can catch out of the backfield. Pass protection is key, and and we're going to start bringing in specialized guys for third down that can do those things. And you know, it just feels like when when he was at Wisconsin, I probably didn't watch him as much as you all probably did. Um, he wasn't asked to do all those things as much.
0: No, yeah, not at he, all. He was running down, down a yeah,
3: He was running downhill yeah, down a
0: Yeah, and he was running behind a pro line, you know, against college guys. That helps, too. But I agree with you 100%. I think he just came in at the wrong time. Um, he came in kind of at the back end of that, like, Priest Holmes, Sean Alexander era where you had these running backs, in looked Tomlinson, where you had these running backs who were, you know, scoring like 30 touchdowns a year. And teams that didn't have that began to kind of become the forefathers of the timeshare situation. And so, you know, he got caught up in a couple of timeshares with like Rodney Hampton's and
4: and folks yeah. like that.
0: And he could just he just never he just wasn't that kind of back. Like you could you couldn't run him ten times a game and expect anything. Like you ran him ten times right. a game, he's gonna get thirty yards.
1: <laughs> but yeah.
0: it was on that. Fifteenth, that 22nd, that 25th carry where he was going to pop one. And, you know, the first 10 wasn't going to be good. It was going to be that last 10 that was really going to, where he was going to make his money. And he just never got to that last 10, you know. Uh, That's kind of how I always felt about Dane. Yep. He
3: he never got lined up. He was over there cold as hell. You know, you know. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if you watch from Wisconsin, once you got that sweat going, you in trouble. (laughs) <laughs> he's sweating and he's going, you know, Ron ain't playing. He's from Jersey. He come to get you. And yeah, he never he never like you said got got those enough carries because they got away from the idea. It's almost like the pitch count. They 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 used a back pitch count on him. And he was a he was a workhorse. You know, he he was like one of those pitchers that, you know, just give me I'm gonna go nine in it. And they they were they uh we going to the pitch count, we we're gonna give you you know. 10, 15, that's how we go, because we want you to you know, last three or four years. And that, you're right, I think that right. wasn't working for him. Um, so he, did, he got caught in the middle some years ago now. But he's one I definitely looked yeah. at. As, I wish he could have been able, I, I expected him to be able to be, do more. But, you know, he never got the right team where they want to just feature him. And then the injury started taking on. Um, and then after that, you know, big fall like that, your body started breaking down. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, and that's where, that's where things start to kind of go in a different direction uh, once your body, especially for running backs. So, we gonna wrap this conversation up, finish out this segment, kick you off with a musical interlude, and then we'll be back shortly. You listen to the Real Sports Guys, realsportsguys.com, dot com, RSG Renegade Radio. Back in a moment. To the real sports guys, real sports com, RSG Renegade Radio, back from a quick break. Hit you off with a little Earth, Wind, and Fire. Oh, man, that's a classic right there, man. Yeah, and, and speaking yeah, of classics, and, and make sure you be on the lookout, all you RSG fans, uh, for the one, um, for the uh, hustle and flows with me and my man Sekou, Because um, we're going to dig into some, man, some classic hip hop groups, some hip hop legends have dropped some tight albums. Over the last month or so. De La La Soul has a great album. That's out there right now. If you haven't checked it out. Please do. Do yourself a favor. Stop being lame. And go check out the new De La Soul. Also Tribe Called (laughs) Quest. Their new album is ridiculously good. Um, It is classic Tribe. In all the good ways. Um, I mean. It's a great album. It's one of their best albums. Um, And. Not many artists produce one of their top classics at this later juncture in their career. So check that out if you have an opportunity. Um, but that that uh that horn that horn section the horn portion of that particular song always takes me back. To like you know Queen Pen used that uh, back in the day. <laughs> she sampled that um, <laughs> on a party Ain't a party. <laughs> That's and right. So it always takes me back to like the the, the mid mid to early '90s, man, and uh, uh, yeah. So that just got me thinking about Daylight Tribe putting out dope albums um, over the last couple months or so. So check those out if you have an opportunity. Stop sleeping on yourself. Treat yourself. Um, quit hating and stuff. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> You listen to the real sports guys, realsportsguys.com, RSG Renegade Radio. We are about to hit y'all off with a five on the black hand side. It's gonna go a little something like this: five,
2: uh, five, uh, uh, on the black hand side.
0: Yes, sir. So the uh, five on the black hand side is a RSG staple. Uh, we are going to take five on the black hand side and really kind of break down the 2015 or 2016 NFL season, um, and in five questions, kind of give you our opinion on a couple different things that's going on. All right. Um, first question: um, What's been the most interesting storyline, or the storyline that you feel like you know this th- th- that really tells the story of this season? thus far for you PhD.
3: Must be the Cowboys. It has to be the
1: Cowboys. Um I when when Tony when Tony Romo went out in the preseason and he got crushed in the back and Jerry Jones talking about oh Tony's gonna be okay. And then it was announced a week or two later he was done for a while. I immediately take all my friends who were Cowboy fans and sent the most authentic, um, I'm sorry for your season. Um, It's amazing what they're doing this year. I mean, it is amazing, especially after the first game. They did not look good at all. And they ran off, what, 11, 12 straight wins. This is – I've never seen anything like it, especially with a rookie quarterback. Um, a really questionable defense coming into this year, that was really, you know, uh, based on how healthy Sean Lee can stay, and he hadn't stayed very healthy the last handful of years. Um, and then you know Prescott, he's been he's been really solid. And so I still don't trust it. They're like on my don't trust it list, but I have to admit they've won some games ugly the last few weeks that really impressed me of how well they were able to pull it together and went. Yeah, and that's been,
0: that's been a big story for me. And, and the thing, you know, in all my fantasy football leagues, I drafted Ezekiel Elliott, um, and I picked up Zeke. Um, and for me, the logic behind that choice was simply put, like, you have a really talented running back who is going to be running behind the best offensive line in the league. And I think that is the MVP of the season for the Cowboys. I really do. I think that offensive line um, has covered up a lot of um, potential bad situations for that team. Um, and it's just I, – I think it's phenomenal what they've done and what they've been able to do. And Dak has been really impressive. Um, Zeke has been a beast. Des is starting to get healthy. Um Here's the I mean, obviously, this is the the nine dollar ninety nine cent question. Is Tony Romo going to be a Cowboy next year? What do you think about that, PhD? I
1: I don't think he'll be a Cowboy next year, and I think there will be a strong market for Romo, even with his injury history. I believe teams that are um, right there, or even teams that are, that are just a quarterback away or even teams that are looking to rebuild, like Cleveland. Uh, Well, he probably won't want to come to Cleveland, but um, (laughs) nonetheless, though, I think that there will be at least five or seven teams interested in his services.
0: Yeah, as I kind of start to kind of think about this off the top of my head, um, you know, I think the Rams, you know, they have golf, but – you know, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sold. (laughs) If they ain't playing, if they just start playing them now, I don't think they're sold either. Um, I think, uh, obviously the bears will be, I think this will be the end of the Cutler era in Chicago. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know if bear fans can handle old Romo. Um, I think they would have struggled with young Romo. Um, bear fans are just, they're weird with their quarterbacks that way. Um, the the Houston Texans, can they justify going out and having to either flip assets um, or spend a bunch of money to get Tony Romo after just paying Brock Osweiler a bunch of money? Um, the Denver Broncos seem like a logical choice. Um, they have a strong defense that's already in place. Um, they really just need somebody to pull the trigger from the quarterback position, and Trevor Simeon has been solid. Paxton Lynch has been solid but neither of them look like the long-term answer. And Romo wouldn't have to be the long-term answer. You have Paxton Lynch in tow. So then all you need Romo to do is just kind of hold down the fort, be a good tutor, um, keep the seat warm until Paxton Lynch is ready. And by the time Paxton Lynch is ready, you imagine that Romo is going to be ready to kind of ride off into the sunset anyway. Um, Maybe John Elway can work that magic again in the same way he did with Peyton Manning. Um, We will see. But I think I'm in the same boat as you, PAZ. I think uh, that may be the last that we see of Romo in the Dallas blue and silver. Um, D. Wills, what is your kind of uh, major main theme, storyline, that is running through the 2016 season?
3: That sound leadership can turn around dysfunction. dysfunction. Uh, and the two – Uh, Examples of that is one We just talked about with the Cowboys I think a lot of that has to be Attributed to Stephen Jones You got to remember You know he decided to get um, To draft A center From Wisconsin At at, at a time when the normal Cowboy decision would have been to go after Manziel He basically got to tie his father up And make a decision And they and they intentionally invested in that offensive line. And so his role, you know, as Chief Operating Officer um, and Executive uh, Vice President for, uh, uh, and the Director of Personnel, um, is, you see in his blueprint him kind of asserting himself and allowing them to make sound decisions in some way being that go-between between the upstairs and the field. And then I would say in the Raiders, um, Jack Del Rio. I mean, you know, for a long time, the Raiders have been seen as a dysfunctional unit. Even when they made the Super Bowl, you know, they had one of their star players end up doing something incredible and derailing them, and they end up not, you know, performing well in the Super Bowl. You know, that's Jerry Rice's, you know, last opportunity to win a Super Bowl. But now they have someone like Jack Del Rio, who who is tough and sound, and the early season goes for it. Um, in a way that just galvanizes the team, but they're both built around these great offensive lines. You know, Jim Sink said a long time ago, you know, you win up the middle. Just game ain't changed. People talk about a lot of stuff changes, a lot of stuff, but, but the best teams find a way to to be strong up the middle, and both these teams have done it. If you look at the Lions, another surprise, they found this, found decision. You know, Megatron uh, uh, retires. Uh, and then, you know, they're, they stick in with a plan. Um, you know, they, they fire the GM and everything else, stick with the coach, they're moving. But, I mean, you know, the two top teams, the two surprise teams, we look at like the Raiders and uh, the Cowboys. The theme is, you know, soundness and good leadership can still win this league for organizations that haven't always been sound.
0: Yeah. And and just for the record, since we back on Wax, uh, Hank, I'm coming to collect, brother. Um, you laughed at me when I said that Detroit was gonna finish it first. You was there, D. Wills, when I said it, and he laughed. Yeah. I- I'm on you, Hank. I'm on you. Also, when I said the Baltimore Ravens was gonna be in the mix and he laughed at me. <laughs> I'm coming to collect, <laughs> Hank.
2: I'm coming to collect. <laughs> I'm yeah. own
0: you. Right.
3: <laughs> Don't get it, dog. Because he's talking about you.
0: Hey, I'm, call, I'm, I'm naming names. I'm calling out names. Ain't no subliminals.
2: Ain't no sneak business. I'm calling out
0: names. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Tell these
2: young how to do it. The
0: bridge is over. <laughs> I'm going to say your name.
2: <laughs> Don't laugh
0: at me when I make a prediction. Next time, listen.
2: <laughs> 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 oh,
0: I digress, but I digress. Uh, so, for me, the the kind of storyline that has kind of, for me, has run through this season is um, – For me, it really boils down to how difficult it is to be a quarterback in the NFL. Um, And it starts with Colin Kaepernick. Three years ago, people who supposedly know what they're talking about, from Trent Dilfer to Steve Young, who John Gruden, all these people that are supposed to know about quarterbacks, we're hailing this dude as this, the, the, as a game-changing quarterback. Like, he was finna to be the next prototypical quarterback. And when I hear everybody kind of praising Dak Prescott and Carson Wentz and some of these other young guys, I just it, – it, it's just like, but are y'all going to be eating these words in, in two or three years? You know what I mean? Like, longevity is a difficult, difficult thing to attain and sustain. Um, And that, to me, is what this season has been about. As you see, you know, it's a marathon. Football is the toughest sport, and quarterbacks are protected for a reason. And the reason quarterbacks are protected the way they are is, is because that is the brand of the league. Because when you look at some of the top teams, you can't bank on marquee names that aren't quarterbacks being around at this time of year. You know, and it's hard to really kind of get into football um, early in the season because it's like, yeah, but we know half these dudes ain't going to be there come playoff time.
2: <laughs> you know
0: what I mean? Like A.J. Green is out. Um, how many starting running backs have been lost for the season already? Eddie Lacey, CJ Anderson. You know what I mean? Like the people that we know are not around in the playoffs. And that that theme of longevity comes back into play. It's a war of attrition. And whoever's the least injured has the best chance of winning it. Um, and it's the same thing about the quarterback position. It ain't enough to be great early in the game, you know, or early in the season or early in your career. Let's see you stretch it out, you know. And when you can stretch it out, that's when I'll start kind of giving you props for for what you're doing on the field um, because it's hard. It's, it's a difficult job and it's not an easy thing to do. And, you know, oftentimes we get caught up in the in the moment of the season, um and, and really forget like you know, the Cowboys and again I'm with you, Phil T, I think Romo will be gone. But, you know, San Francisco thought they had their quarterback of the future a couple years ago. Um, Washington did too. Um and they did that he just wasn't the dude that they were playing at the time when they thought they had their quarterback of the future with RG three. Um, you know, Andrew Luck is kind of in a bit of a career malaise right now. Um, it's something that guys go through. Um, Matt Ryan has kind of come out of one this year where he's kind of resurrected his buzz and his hype. And, and Matt Stafford has done the same thing. And it, it seems like there's a cycle with quarterbacks where they go through these kind of years where they're kind of forgotten. And it just, how forgotten do you get? You know what I'm saying? Like, how low does it go? Well, where's your floor? And for some quarterbacks, unfortunately for a guy like Cap, his floor is pretty low given that he gets hurt and the coaching changes and the franchise kind of goes in a limbo. And, you know, the defense, the defensive players start to unravel with Patrick Willis retiring and Navarro Bowman getting hurt two years in a row. And what they were just – and it all fell apart around him. And unfortunately for him, um, he got caught up in that. Um, He became a casualty of the lack of stability, as D. Wills talked about, in leadership in San Francisco. And now he's going to be scrambling to save his career next year. Um, And so just how quickly things can turn and how, you know, you can have a Mark Sanchez who goes to two straight NFC championships and now he can barely get a starting gig and he loses a starting gig to a rookie who, you know, practice for like two weeks before they were like, yeah, you're better than this guy. (laughs) (laughs) We've been watching Sanchez for a month now. And yeah, we're going to give it to you though. We see you throw the ball for two days and it's yours. Here's the keys to the car. You know what I'm saying? Uh, So that's kind of what I've taken from the season um, as far as the the quarterback position is a hard position to play and longevity is in in all ways, shapes and form is the name of the game in NFL. And if you can't sustain longevity, um, it's gonna be a short. It's going to, it's gonna be really NFL, which means not for long. So, and I want
3: to take. Go ahead. was look, at one of the things that you always say that I think, and I think because when you brought this up, I started to evaluate quarterbacks through that lens. When you say, "Do you stay ahead of the scouting part?" And I think one of the things about yes. Kaepernick, he leaned on the. He, and I think RG3, RG3 did some of this, leaned on thoughts the things that he brought to the table are going to be there. He could use them for a long time rather than evolving. So if you look at Russell Wilson, he's he's always appearing to stay ahead of the scholarly report actively, like not just by coaching, but by his own personal training and growth that he's working on things that kind of get him ahead of the scholarly report. And I think you know, if, if you have stability and you're the kind of quarterback that can stay ahead and you, you are really a student of the game, and I think that's what Dak Prescott is different. Now watching that at Mississippi State, and I think he's the kind of person that does stay ahead in the scouting report. I think the way he approaches the game, the way he studies, he's not just relying on some of the gifts he's gotten, but you can tell he's really studying because you can see how he's evolved. Like, it's not gimmicks. They, they got him running the offense. And that's what I always said about, um, you know, the way Winston and I think uh, Mariota, and the where they're bringing them along. These guys are running it. You can see that in all those scenarios, they're working hard to evolve their game and stay ahead of the scouting port. But you can see players like Sanchez who didn't quite stay ahead of the scouting port. He was on the back page of the New York newspaper, but he didn't look like he was staying ahead of the scouting port. I think when you brought that up, I, I've been evaluating quarterbacks a little bit differently ever since you brought that point
0: up. Yeah. And that, I mean, that, 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 that concept kind of, you know, really kind of changed my whole career as an athlete in general. You know, I, I happened to stumble upon after a road game, the other team scouting report and I picked mm. it up and I read what they said about me. And I was like, wow, this is what they think, you know? And so the next, it was my <laughs> sophomore year. So the summer between my sophomore year and my junior year, I spent all summer, like, trying to change my scout. You know what I mean? And that was what I had mm-hmm. in my head was, like, they're not going to be say, able to say he can't shoot. You know, they're not going to be able to say, guard him to a strong hand. They're not going to be able to say that next year. And if I know that that's what they're seeing, then I got to build up the other parts of my game so that when they give me that, when they give me my weekend, when they sag off, I can make them pay for it. You know, and that, mm-hmm. that concept just stuck with me, and it has been something that has resonated with me just in general. And you do. You have to stay ahead of your scouting report. You know what I mean? And, it, and it, it was just this real coincidental incident that really kind of just shifted kind of how I thought about myself as an athlete and how I, like, just thought about the whole process. You know what I mean? Like,
3: mm-hmm.
0: you know, they're looking at you just like you're trying to figure out what they do. They're trying to figure out what you That's do. So what would you say about yourself? You know what I mean? What would they say about you, and how how are you going to then deal with that? How are you? Going, what, what are you going to do with that information once you get it? You know, it, 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 it's it's a really interesting concept. You know,
3: but yeah, uh, and, and yeah. You, you hear a lot of you a lot of coaches during the bye week say we self scout, right? That's right. one of the things they try to do in these bye weeks. They try to self scout, but you're talking about taking it deeper down. You know, and does and the player have the mindset to self scout and? Right. I think you can, you can when you think you're through that lens, you can see players who do that. And you can see right. that they brought a new wrinkle every year. You can see that in basketball. You can see that in football. And, you know, I, I feel like the two young, the rookies that, um, that they have in Dallas are those kind of players. Like, they're not going to be the same player coming back next year than they was this year. These don't seem like those kind of people. Like, they're going to add a new wrinkle to their game next year. And that would be interesting to see if they do grow that way um, next year. I didn't just, just feel like those kind of players, but maybe I could be wrong. Yeah.
0: And I feel like Dallas, uh, Dallas's success is, is taking an old model and making it new again. Like, what they've done is not yeah. new. Um, no. Investing in your front seven, investing in your offensive line. Um, but it, people kind of got away from that, and they started to yeah. treat that offensive line like – like the running back position, where we'll get a we'll get a guard in the fourth round, we'll get a tackle in the fifth round, and we'll just yeah. we'll develop them and work it out. Um, where they were like, we're gonna take the best at each spot each year, and we're gonna put yeah. together this this ridiculous. Off- and, and and again, it's, it's something that they did when they had Nate Newton and Eric Williams and Larry Allen and Stepnowski and all those guys on those Super Bowl teams that they had with Emmitt Smith and Troy Aikman at the and Michael Irvin, they had the best offensive line in the league, and they just went back to that old blueprint and were like, hey, man, let's dust that bad boy off and run it back. You know what I mean? You pull (laughs) out that old record. You know what I mean? You pull it out the case, out the sleeve, and you blow that dust off it, and you run it back, and it still sounds good. You know That's what Dallas did. That's what I felt like they did this year, man. And when you look at teams like Seattle, who is still winning, but they're winning in spite of their offensive line, Um, You look at the situation with Aaron Andrew Luck and the Indianapolis Colts, where uh, he's running for his life every game. Um, And these other teams that are out there where they're really struggling to protect their quarterback, I think you're going to see teams start to kind of reevaluate how they acquire offensive line talent. Um, And not only having some talent and spending picks on offensive linemen, but building depth on your offensive line, because again, that 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 course that that battle of attrition that is the game of football, um, in the NFL is a real thing, and, and you got to prepare for that. If you ain't ready to go, you know, third level of your roster, you know, by week nine, if you ain't confident in what you got, you you in trouble. You know what I mean? Like you're really yeah. in trouble, and you got to be creative, and you got to get some guys off the street. You know, you got to have your your, uh, your undrafted free agent game has to be on point. That's one thing I appreciate about the Green Bay Packers organization. You know, their undrafted free agent game is usually on point. Like, they get a couple of guys on the roster every year who contribute um, for a week or two off the street, you know, undrafted, you know. Um, I know a lot of people malign Ted Thompson because he doesn't go for free agents, but I'm not a big fan of free agents, man. I see a lot of wasted – a lot of guys get that money, and and it's wasted money. You know, if your original franchise lets you go, they might let you go for a reason. And, and, and don't get somebody from New England. Uh, you don't know. What do. <laughs> hey, man, hey, when Belichick let them go, no, they done.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's over,
0: dog. Like, ain't nobody, I mean, maybe somebody has, but I can't really think of nobody. Um, coming out of New England, like I've seen guys go to New England and kind of figure it out. And resurrected, resurrected maybe what was thought to be a dead career, um, but I ain't never seen nobody leave New England, um, particularly unceremoniously, and then work it out elsewhere. I haven't seen that. And if, if, and if they um, have the skills,
3: they'll, fill, they'll fill it somewhere like Cleveland. Like we <laughs> you, they, you they dirty? They do you again. <laughs> <laughs> we go. We. we we, we know you, man, so I'm going to see you somewhere else. We may never see you again. <laughs> God, hey, right,
0: sport.
2: right? You won't be in the
0: playoffs for, I don't know, ever.
2: <laughs> so, so, so go
3: get paid. <laughs> no. And see,
0: here's the thing about it, and Phil T, you can speak to this. I guarantee you, Cleveland ain't even flinching right now at the fact that the Browns is just awful. Like Cleveland is, as a city, as a community, is good right now. Like, they didn't even flinch when the Indians gave up a 3-1 lead. (laughs) Like, the city of Cleveland didn't even bat an eye, man. It was just like, eh, we got a title. (laughs)
2: Yeah. It would have been nice. I mean, it would have been. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Right. That's exactly it. You're
0: right. (laughs) Like, I couldn't even imagine that, man. Like, yeah, I imagine they would have been earning stuff in the streets.
1: And then, and then on top of that, it was like, okay, and we lost to the Cubs, We have a really good story. Yeah, yeah, we all right, we okay. <laughs> you know what I'm saying?
0: Like it's just crazy. Like the most miserable sports town just got over everything after LeBron brought yeah. the title. Man, it was just crazy. That that's the part of LeBron, though, man. That that really is, man. It was just. It, and I texted I texted you about that, man. I was like. Man, how come Cleveland isn't, like, mourning right now? Like, how come they're not wearing nope. all black? They're just, like, good with this.
2: Yep. <laughs> I mean, it was
0: it
1: was ten times worse. It was ten times worse um, when the Cavs lost to Golden State the year before than it was with the World Series loss. And it was ten times, maybe 20 times worse. Yeah, man. I
0: just I just think that's just it's, a weight has truly been lifted. A dark cloud has been parted over that city and now they're just like, yeah. We can we can just re, we can just relax now. We're good. We got Braun, You know, the Indians are good. We got a good team. We don't have to worry about this whole championship thing. Man, yeah. I just thought that that was a crazy phenomenon, man. I just thought that was crazy. <laughs> because again, yeah. a year ago, they would have taken that whole 3-1 loss in the World Series. I don't care who it was to. They would have taken that bad. I mean, that would have just not went over well.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, I mean, because they didn't even give it a nickname or nothing, no mistake by the lake, no none of that.
2: <laughs>
0: I mean, they were just like, oh, we lost. <laughs> like, it didn't even happen. Like, oh, the Cubs won. Who did they play? I don't know. Who was they playing? <laughs> oh, they was playing the Indian? Oh, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. You listen to the Real Sports Guys, realsportsguys.com, RSG Renegade Radio. We are in the midst of a five on the black blackhand side. We are at number three. Fellas, fantasy football. Who was your fantasy yeah. football MVP this year? And how did your team – we're in the fantasy – first week of the fantasy playoffs. Let's assess how your season went. Uh, Paz, why don't you start us off?
1: I uh, I made the playoffs in both my leagues, which I'm pretty happy about. Um, in the league that you, know, you and I are in, Marcus with Royster, um, I think I ended up with a six and seven record. That was an odd league because there were five teams that all had five and second rec five and seven records going into the last a week of regular season, which was this past week, week 13. And so, I mean, it was pretty exciting. There were all these different playoff scenarios, um, prompted me to write a three-paragraph post about all these different (laughs) scenarios. Uh, I uh, actually won uh, against you uh, and got in, but you got in, too, on a tiebreaker. So, I think I'm either the fourth or fifth seed in that league. And um and then my other league with uh Hamilton <clears throat> um I am I think I'm the sixth seed in that. Um I've won the last four weeks and in that in that league you can trade picks for the following year's draft. So, uh, we we start defensive players so there's twenty one rounds. You can draft twenty one players. We we started something like seven defensive players. It's crazy. So, next year, I did not have a first-round pick, a second-round pick, or a third-round pick. But I have a ton <laughs> of picks. I have a ton of picks. Uh, I have, like, four fourth-round picks. Man, it, it got fun. I picked up and, uh, Antonio Brown. I picked up... Uh, Jordy Nelson. Uh, My team is loaded now. And and so, you know, when I look at my app, Fantasy Pros, it shows the the power rankings. Um, Since since I made all those trades, like around week nine or so, um, I was projected to get like 400 points more for the rest of the season than the next best team. And so um, even though I'm the sixth seed, I've had the – uh, the most points in the league the last four weeks, which is nice because we get a bonus each week um, for that, you know, as far as a payout. So it's crazy. I'm the sixteen seed, but I'm probably the favorite. Um, you know, I mean, I've been like smashing people by 50 or 60 points the last few weeks, or actually 150 points in one situation. So it's kind of Lord. exciting. I, mean, I certainly, yeah. Now, now in that league, you know, you, you need to put up 250 points per week. So, you know, I'll put up 350 one week. And um, I kind of sold, like, sold my soul to the devil for next year. But it, I kind of thought about it. I drafted Allen Robinson that league with my second-round pick, and he has, has been returning 11th-round value. So part of my thing is, like, you know what? If I start off slow, I can always make trades or work the free agent wire. And, um, yeah, so it's kind of exciting. And in the playoffs, let's just say there's talk in the league going around about restrictions
3: Uh, (laughs) of
1: of, some draft (laughs) picks. You know, in the NBA, there's there's a rule where you cannot uh, trade I think it's first round picks, two years in a row or something like that.
3: Uh, yeah, we yeah, are in the
1: yeah. play. Like we are in the process of of voting on that because people are kinda of, I mean, the first place team, you know, I just beat them by like hundred and twenty points like two weeks ago. And so they they're you. pretty much
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: They go get you in the next E V A, dog.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's a lot of fun,
1: but it makes it interesting because the teams that are, you know, there were a few teams that were out of the playoff race, and they gave up their good players, but going into next season, you know, one guy's got three second-round picks, two first-round picks, and they're all set.
0: To say somebody started taking, T was like, <laughs> I'm an opportunist. <laughs> I see opportunity. I'm an opportunist. <laughs> yeah, in that league,
1: if you miss the playoffs, if you miss the playoffs, you have to go on the JV division the next year, mm. and that's not fun. And I missed two straight years. And I was not going to miss the third year.
0: So you wasn't get you wasn't get regulated.
3: Nope.
1: Uh-uh.
0: You wasn't going to get regulated. I feel you, man. I feel you. All right, all right. So you made the playoffs in both of yours. D Wills, how's it going for you?
3: Well, I'm in three leagues. Uh, two the leagues, I'm like Jeff Fisher, trying to figure out if I'm going to get my job again. Uh, but <laughs> in my main league that I'm in with game changers, uh, I am uh, uh, number one seed. Uh, I, I put some focus in this league. I had to reestablish myself in this league with game changers. And so I'm sitting at the top. It looks like I'll be number one seed going into the playoffs. You know, we'll see what happens. You know, um, I've, had, I've had a good season. You know, and again, James I can attest to that. Yeah, you've had you know, a good year. Game. You know. Uh, so
0: who, who's you know. been who's been really stirring the drink? Who's been stirring the drink, for you? What players have been really kind of uh, buoying your success with this particular team?
3: Man, it's it, you know, it's, it's been the team, the team, the team. You know, it's, I, I, I've had a pretty solid. Uh, play across the uh I think the cross. you know I anybody laughed at me about Pryor? but I had him in that flex spot and man he was delivering um across the board um, uh Murray uh from Tennessee has been consistent for me it's been a lot of guys you know I feel like the old illinois team when they were all six six you know off to do a little bit of everything. my team is kind of like that. Um, where anybody comes up, you know they all solid, they deliver. Uh, wow! You know I got I got Evan, you know from Tampa Bay who kind of gives me some solid every week. You know I got Freeman from uh, Atlanta, who's you know been kind of solid. Um And then you know you fill some players in, you know. So that's kind of how my my roster's been solid. Kaepernick carried me for a couple weeks. It's um, been definitely a team effort. Uh, here. Wow. So I, that's kind of how I've been approaching.
1: I mean, Devon, it sounded like you just had a post-game interview uh, before you went into the locker room and uh, I wasn't sure how you were going to pull that together. You said, you know, you feel like everybody in the team is 6'6". They can do a little bit of everything. Uh, but it worked. I mean, it worked. Uh, it did.
2: <laughs> yeah. You Who's know,
0: yeah, got you kind of taking us on a ride. You know, he took the long way
2: home on that one. <laughs> like, I ain't never been this way home.
0: Now, you know, uh, well, I will sometimes pass. from time to time, my kids tell me that, like, Dad, I've never been this way home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just Can we be quiet.
3: talk about Jeff Fisher? Can we talk about. Devon, I mean, you brought up Jeff Fisher. Can we talk about
0: him and Eric Dickerson? What? <laughs> Yeah, fill me. In. Somebody fill me in because I'm not aware. I'm not aware. I've, I've seen some headlines, but I haven't had the chance to like click on a link. Um, so what's up?
1: So I guess uh, a week or two ago, it came out that Eric Dickerson had requested. So so evidently, Eric Dickerson's in the media, and he is part of the Rams broadcast team. I think he does something as well for a regional sports network like Fox or something like that. He's an analyst. Well, as the story goes according to Dickerson, he called to get some sideline passes for his friends for a Rams game. And this is Eric Dickerson, who, if you think about the Rams, he's probably the player that comes up the most, him, Falk, Warner. He's a Hall of Famer. And so evidently he was denied that he couldn't get the sideline passes for him and his friends. And, um, and at some point, he talked to Jeff Fisher, the head coach of the Rams, on the phone, and according to Dickerson, uh, Fisher says it happened slightly different, but according to Dickerson, he was pretty much told, like, yo, you've been, you know, Fisher told him that you've been really critical of me and the coaching staff, which Dickerson did say that his quarterback coach, Chris Winkie, was not qualified to handle a number one pick um, as far as being the main, you know, coach, quarterback coach. And he said some other things really critical of the Rams and how they've been doing things. And so Fisher pretty much was like, no, we really don't want you around to that point, you know, just to be around. And so Dickerson came out, told the media, and he was upset. And since then, he's been doing interviews. And he has went in um, big time on Jeff Fisher. I heard him on an interview a couple of days ago, and I thought it was Devon getting interviewed because Dickerson said, <laughs> Jeff Fisher, Jeff Fisher, this guy is a condition of mediocrity. And I'm just curious, and I quote you, Dickerson said this, I want to know he's got to have pictures of somebody. How does he still have a job? He must have, he must have some naked pictures
2: of somebody. I just want to know of who. And I said, did Dickerson just say that. He just said this. I couldn't believe it. And how many times did Devon say that? Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how many times did Devon say that about Fisher and Andy Reid? And <laughs> was dead serious. Oh, man. it was It was hilarious. That's the story, Marcus.
0: Oh man, that that was worth it. That was worth it, Devon, You need to hit him up. I want my daddy's records.
2: <laughs> you need hey, the royalties.
0: Man. He totally he totally hey. bit, bit your whole your whole vibe right there. He, he took your whole point, your whole hot take. He stole it.
3: Listen, I, I mentioned Hank and I talked about this last our uh, last podcast, man. I mean, look at his record, man. Like, look at his record just in the Rams. Like the Rams have not had more than uh, seven wins since 2006. And he's been there for most of the time. And he's even got, what, a 2-14 record on there? I mean, I said, this is what I said last week. I said, look, people ask me, what, what does equity look like for coaching in and half out? When you can find me a black coach who can have the same record as Sixers and still be seen as a top football coach, And talk about Marvin Lewis, but Marvin Lewis has won won his division. He's been one of the top seeded teams uh, in the league in his in in uh, in the AFC. You know, I mean, he, he's won some games. He just hasn't won a playoff game. But when you look at Fisher, yeah, Dickerson, look at you got to look at then look at his record with Tennessee. I mean, when you go back and look at what he's done, nobody else can get away with that. And then when you Jeff hear, Fisher. you hear, yeah. when you hear, when you hear analysts talk about him, they talk about him like he Belichick.
1: Jeff Fisher has so right now he is second in all time, um, all time most losses for a NFL coach. Now it says something that he's lost 164 games. And he's won slightly more. He's like around 170, 180. But he's only one game behind Dan Reese, who's lost 165, who lost 165 in his career. So chances are that by the end of the season, assuming that the Rams lose at least two more games out of their remaining three or four that they have, by the end of the season, Jeff Fisher will be the all-time leader in losses by head coach. It's
0: crazy. That's crazy. crazy.
1: And you and you gonna pick
3: you gonna pick a fight with a Hall of Famer? Come on, man! Hey, right on uh, uh, NFL hey. sideline when it's about nine thousand people down
0: there. Right, and then they Lovey Smith gets fired now, after going ten and six. You know what I'm saying? Lovey Rams, Smith get let go. Man, don't get me started.
1: <laughs> don't get me started. Ray Rose, Green
3: Bay Packers. It. Ray Rose went five hundred. Green Bay fired him after 80. one year.
1: The Rams announced this week that they're giving Fisher an extension, one-year likely, to for the team option.
0: Man, he got pitches. <laughs> yeah. He got some pitches.
3: And some text messages,
2: owner,
3: some Snapchat, or something. Yes. He got his something. Owner his owner is basically what, the Jim Dole in the football. Like, he's more interested in the, the projects in the real estate. You know, Fisher keeps it, you know. It's crazy, man. So I don't
0: blame this. Yeah, man. It's it's wild. It's wild. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So D-Wheels is in first in our um, in the league that we're both in. Let me tell you about my team in this league, the Regulators. They the load. Regulators were uh, – hey, they loaded. I'm telling you. I had to take some hits early to get this done, though. You know, I played the long game. You know, I drafted Jimmy Graham. I drafted Le'Veon Bell. My first pick was Zeke Elliott. The first couple of weeks, I was struggling, brother. I was struggling. I was on a struggle bus for real. And But once Le'Veon came back, that combination Le'Veon and Zeke, and then Jimmy Graham started balling. Oh, it's a, it, I'm going into the playoffs, highest team in the league, man. Four straight wins, uh, eight and five record. You know what I'm saying? Came back, started from the bottom, now we're here type moves. That, that's, that's what the regulators are on. So you know that team, that team is a strong, strong contender uh, to challenge Black and Yellow. That's d Wheel Squad um, and, and the Midnight Marauders. That's my man Mo Red. That's his team. So you know we 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 climbed up the rankings with some very calculated moves that we made over the course of the season. You know, uh, so we we in a good spot. We in a good spot. That team is gonna do all right. Um, I made the playoffs. I'm in three leagues. I made the playoffs in all of them. I'm a third, three seed, in, in, in the one me and Devon are in together, my squad, the Regulators. I'm a four seed. I'm I'm in fourth place in the league with a nine and four record. I don't even know how that happened. Um, my my squad, the Unchained Django's,
2: <laughs>
0: the Unchained Django's are, are are four seed and we're looking good. I'm you know Zeke Elliott's holding me down in that one too. I got a little too many Saints on that roster. So, anytime the Saints have a bad week or a good week, it really kind of affects my team way more than I would like it to. Um, and then I got the Tecmo Bo Jacksons, Uh And we're uh, we're a six seed going up against Royster. She's going to have to go down. She's going to be mad at me because I'm going to beat her. Um, She's going to lose yeah, this week. She's going to be real mad. But that team, man, yeah. I thought I had a whip at the beginning of the season. I swear to God, man, I thought I had a whip. I had Lacey. I had C.J. Anderson. I had Devontae Freeman. I had Carlos Hyde. I had all these running backs. All them fools got hurt, man. <laughs> like, it was a good thing I took foul running backs because, man, Lacey went on IR. Then C.J. Anderson went on IR. Man, it's just been – I had to pick up Tevin Coleman because I was like, man, if Devontae Freeman going on IR, it's a wrap for me. So, uh, I've been yeah. struggling since the beginning of the season to kind of stay afloat. Uh, with all these injuries that my running backs have gone through. I've kind of recovered a little bit, um, but I'm still not feeling that's that, that team I'm not feeling very strong about. The other two, they're going to win me some money. That one, if I win that one, somebody messed up. <laughs> so you listen to the Real Sports Guys, realsportsguys.com, RSG, Renegade Radio. Oh, man. Fellas, we're going to shift gears. I want to talk college football and the playoffs. This, to me, has been just a ridiculous process. (laughs) This has been a ridiculous process, and as I listen to the talking kids on sports radio, I just start yelling at my radio, all these different points that start rattling around in my head just about this process. So we have Alabama, who we knew was going to get in. We have Ohio State, who we knew was going to get in. Um, we have Clemson and Washington as the final four, um, or the four playoff teams. So, before I go on my rant about how I feel about this whole process, I want you guys to weigh in and give your perspectives. P.A.D., where are you at with this process?
1: I love it. Um, I'm, I mean, there's certain things that I can rail against, but I think it's, is better than the BCS, which I think the BCS was better than just the standard bowl, bowl setup that we had that, you know, the number one team could be Michigan or somebody from the Big Ten playing the Rose Bowl, and they're playing against the 18th-ranked team and the Pac-10. Um, so I think the B, like the BCS was a step up from that. And I think that this Final Four situation, this college football rankings, is a step up from that. It's not perfect, but I think that it out, you lose a lot of um, a lot of the storylines that you have now. And I think, regardless of how big it is, eight teams, sixteen teams, like the NCAA basketball, how many other teams it is now, whoever's team 69 that does not get into the NCAA, they got something to say. If it was eight teams in the college football playoffs, the nine and tenth place teams would have issues. I like it because um, college football dominated dominated the storyline for sports over the weekend and probably towards the middle of last week on. And that's tough to do with the NFL going on. And the NBA is, is fairly interesting this early in the season as well. So I think that college football has done an effective job. Now, we can chip away at different parts of it, and it's fun to do that. Yeah, that's cool. But overall, it's been really solid, and it's put college football back, um, I think, as, as one of the core sports in this country. Well said. Well
0: said, and a lot of good points there. Um, D. Wills, your perspective?
3: Yeah, I, I guess the, the build on So I think Phil hit some really good points. You know, I, I would because I, I believe there's. Uh, you, you, if we move to eight, you, you're going to be arguing about nine and ten. I, I agree with that, but I do think that um, I would like to see a format in which um, your power five top champions have an opportunity to be in um, the the mix uh, when you look at this year. Um, and I think in the future it's going to create um, some angst because right now, you know, the Big Ten and the SEC are getting favored in a lot of these scenarios. And, you know, you start to see those rumblings with the Pac-10, um, uh, Pac-12, excuse me, uh, and, and um, the Big 12. I, I would like, I would, you know, I wouldn't mind looking at six or eight. Um, but I, I like the conversation. I like what we've had here. Um, I think it's better than we had before. Um, you know, um, I'm a little bit different. I probably would have taken 10 State over Ohio State to just go with we conference champions. It would have given you the best teams, but it would have been consistent um, in a, in a way of honoring conference championships. Um, we have a lot of scenarios where a great team like Ohio State doesn't win the championship doesn't get in I mean we had a lot of scenarios like that in, in the old days of basketball um, when not if we didn't have 64 teams and all the other stuff so I would have been opposed to that um, and being a little bit clear about you know what you're valuing um, because when, when you when you're looking at a lot of these teams from Washington or whatever, you can't really tell what they're valuing, what they're being consistent about. Um, and I don't want to take away the value of a conference championship. All of us played sports, and we always started with the idea of winning the conference championship. Like that was what, your first step to doing anything. And in this recent scenario, particularly when you think about the Big Ten and how how good it's been throughout the year to not be able to have a conference championship champion from the Big Ten in the final four, you know, that's always the first phase for every team. So I wish there'd be a scenario where you kinda of take that out. If you win your conference championship, they get you in, but you still can have a team like Ohio State or you can still have a Michigan or whatever in there as a at large bid. I like to see a scenario like that.
0: Okay. Again, a lot of rational, very common sense points. Um <laughs> just to lay just to lay my just to lay my joint out real quick. I think it should stay at four. I don't think all the conference champions should get in because I don't think all the conferences are equal. The thing that kind of got me this year, and I think they set a bad precedent, um, is that all season, every metric you look at rated the Big Ten as the best conference. How does the champion of the best conference not get in? That is a bad precedent in itself, right? Like, if this is the best league unquestioned this is the best league in college football how does the champion not get into the playoff to me that is a bad bad precedent i don't know yeah i i just again if that is the if that is the best league and when it, and in the best league you have four teams in the top 10 at the end of the season best league like you have possibly four teams with a shot at making the playoff at the end of the season, best league, and the champion of that league does not get in. That is a, a weird dynamic to me, and it, it doesn't make sense. Um, when you then go on to tout the team that – another team for winning games in that conference and participating in that conference who didn't win the conference, who didn't play for the conference championship – to be in there's there's like a cognitive dissonance in that conversation to me. Like, yeah, Ohio state is a really good team and they played in a really tough conference and they won a lot of games in that really tough conference. But they ain't the champion of that really tough conference and we are not letting the champion. So yeah, Ohio state can get in as long as the champ of the conference get in. Like that's crazy. That's, that's a little ridiculous to me that like, you're saying that this is hands down the best league, and you're using that argument to then, like, tout another team, but then the champion of that league ain't get in. So, so it, that piece of it just baffled me this year, and I didn't understand that um, that dynamic. Because it was kind of like talking out of the both sides of your mouth, where, like, on one side you're talking about, like, just looking at the teams and their resumes, But then, on the other hand, like, you are kind of acknowledging conference champs because you're letting in Washington and Clemson. Um, But then – and they won lesser leagues. Like, they may be very good teams, but they won lesser leagues, right? And so that means something, or it doesn't mean something. And I don't know whether it does or it doesn't. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, does it mean something? (laughs) that your league is not as good or does it not mean anything? Like you kind of said both. So I don't know. It's like, it's just a weird thing and a weird precedent that they have set with this year's selection process. Um, I do appreciate that. That the selection process isn't too formulaic. Right. I do appreciate that. And I do think that is a good thing. But I also don't understand, like, what formula you you use that doesn't involve winning the best conference in the league, in the country. You know what I'm saying? Like, what
3: <laughs> formula are you
0: using that doesn't involve that? You know what I'm saying? Like, that group, that team don't get in, then you need to throw that formula out, uh, sure. whatever criteria you use. Um, so that's, that's one piece of it.
3: I was, and, I, and I would say to you, my sense is, Brooklyn McFarland would have been arguing if that, that would have been the f c c if Alabama would have been sitting with uh, OSU, then all these cats would have been arguing that,
2: you know, let's say
3: Arkansas wins the West. They would have been arguing for Arkansas to be in there and for Ohio State. And so you start to see that kind of bias because they didn't have a problem before we did this um, having Alabama and LSU play again. You know, so it, it, right. that part that gets me is that you start to see the stuff that's fed by folks who are not in the process That I I I don't see that happening if that was in the SEC, right, right.
0: So that that to and additionally, like I don't think all the conferences should get their conference champion. I like it that it's four. I like it that one of the power five is gonna get left out. Step your game up, like let's get it, (laughs) let's compete. You know what I mean? Let's make it happen. You want to be in schedule, people. Get get, get get hey step your game up. Get some of these weak weak teams. Get some more people in your conference. Get some good teams in your conference. Right? Let's 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 make this exclusive. When are y'all gonna get left out? Who's it gonna be? You know, um, I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fan of that. I like that level of competition where there are only four spots and there are five power conferences. All your champions ain't getting in, so your champion better represent. But dang it, when you're the best league, <laughs> how does your champion not get? <laughs> you know I, mean? I don't want to hear nothing about the Big Twelve. I don't want to hear that, man. Penn State didn't get in. They won the Big Ten Championship, which was, again, undisputed. I don't care. Every talking head you go around, they say the Big Ten is the best league this year. It doesn't have to be the best league historically. It doesn't have to be the best league every year. It was the best league this year. And the team that won that league didn't get in. And the team that they beat got in. What? (laughs) What? (laughs) What? Come on, man. What type of system are we making here, man? I mean, the team that they beat got in and they won the league, the toughest league, and they didn't get in. I don't know. And I'm not even a Penn State fan. I could care less about Penn State. I just think that's a bad precedent to set where, you know, it's just a weird... It's just weird. It's just a weird dynamic. And it's it's how do you then... You, you've, you've put out there a weird precedent you just have. And it's yeah, it's kind of willy-nilly, <laughs> in my opinion. It's yeah. kind of like, yeah, we like Ohio State. So there it is. But I will came say in. That I, love
3: the way, I will say that I love the way James Franklin dropped the mic. <laughs> when he asked to make his case. Well, I was like, man, you came in like law and order. He broke it down. He did make hey. his case. You know, I, I give him, and he he's the right coach for that job, taking him out of the abyss. Uh, I love the way he made his case, and The thing about the Big Ten, I'm looking at these matchups. It totally better win. Yeah. Yeah. you better be, uh, you know, Western Michigan, you know, Penn State, you better get on USC. Michigan, you better get Florida State. I mean, don't go down here and lay eggs on this. They got to finish the deal. Ohio State, don't get in here and get tripped up by Clemson. Cause I'm not. I see up, up close. I'm not that impressed. But you know, I, I, I'll be a little worried if I'm Buckeye am going to get clean. But that's so they yeah. finish. <laughs> hey,
0: you heard it here first, man. D. Will said he ain't feeling it. He ain't drinking the Kool Aid. Uh huh. <laughs>
1: right. Ain't drinking you the Kool Aid. I wasn't that impressed.
3: <laughs> y- y- Y'all know when I get on something. <laughs> Yeah, be a little irrational. I think Phil done pointed that out a little bit earlier with my <laughs> Jeff Fisher. But I think Fisher is my my Jeff Fisher is being. I'm being vindicated. Thank you, Dickerson. We must get you on the air, man. I'm, we're going to reach out to you. Hey, <laughs> man, go
0: get your royalties, dog. Go get your royalties. Filing <laughs> papers, man. Filing papers. Take him to court. <laughs> He's sampling. Yeah. He's sampling, man. And The samples ain't clear. <laughs> <laughs> So I want to I want to close out the show with our last conversation, man. The NBA season is is uh, still in a fledgling state. Um, you know, we we just finished up the first month of the season. Uh, Clay Thompson capped it off with a crazy night last night. Uh, dude dropped sixty in three quarters, <laughs> twenty nine minutes. In twenty nine minutes, this dude dropped sixty points. Man, are you kidding me? <laughs> That's just nuts. And then when you know, nowadays we have an overload of stats, so we have you know just just so much information. But you know, I use this with my team today because uh, we've been focusing on ball movement and we've been talking about ball movement and, and that kind of deal. And just the fact that this man took 33 shots, he touched the ball 46 times, he dribbled the entire game. He had he took 11 dribbles, right? This dude scored 60 points, and he had the basketball in his hands for a total of 90 seconds. What? (laughs) What? He took 33 shots, had 46 touches, and had the ball in his hands for 90 seconds, right? I've seen Carmelo hold the ball for 90 seconds.
2: And that's not possible. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, I mean, it was, just,
0: it was a great opportunity for me to just point it out to, to my players that, listen, the ball needs to move. And if it moves, it's going to find the bucket, all right? It's going to find the score, and it's going to find a bucket. You don't need to sit and pat the ball on the ground a whole bunch of times for things to work out. Um, so you got – Clay scoring 60 in the context of this historically great offensive team in the Golden State Warriors where you have Steph Curry who is doing what Steph Curry does. You have Klay Thompson who is doing what Klay Thompson does. Draymond Green doing Draymond Green thing. Then you add into the mix Kevin Durant who is averaging 27 points per game as a small forward, jump shooting small forward, and shooting 57 freaking percent from the field. Are you kidding me? (laughs) Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Are you are you kidding me, man? Like, this dude is shooting 57%. For, them, are, them are, like, DeAndre Jordan lob catcher numbers. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is like peak Tyson Chandler. You know what I'm saying? Like, big man numbers. Like, all you do is dunk, and you're a straight jump shooter, and you putting up 57% on your field goals per game. Man, that's just not fair. Um, so you got that going on. You got James Harden and Mike D'Antoni mixing it up in Houston, you know, cooking it up. I mean, this dude is averaging almost 12 dimes a game, 29 points. Might be the first player to lead the league in scoring and assists in the same season since Tiny Archibald 40-some years ago. So you got that going on. You got Cleveland playing amazing basketball where Kevin Love is back to being a ten guy. Kyrie Irving has legit become, like, the best 1A in the league, hands down averaging 24 points a game. And, oh, yeah, they got this other dude named LeBron James who was averaging almost 10 assists a game. Um, yeah. Um, ridiculous. And then you throw into the mix Russell freaking Westbrook. This guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean – This guy is averaging a triple-double. Man,
2: what? (laughs) So
0: there's just so much going on in the league. It's hard to figure out where to start. Um, Let's start with, because I know, Phil, you're on the ground Cleveland. Like, what's going on in Cleveland, man? You got LeBron, who is averaging, you know, almost 10 assists a game. This is what I thought he was going to do when he went to Miami. This is what I thought was going to happen when he went to Miami, where he was just going to be like, you know what? I'm going to be magic. I'm just going to facilitate. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just going to do this thing, man. And, you know, I was listening to um, the NBA Lockdown Podcast on ESPN, um, and Brian Windhorse was on. And he was talking to Israel Gutierrez about – this story that he did on LeBron and how this is LeBron's perfect team. And one thing that he said that just like I was like, man, I, I gotta, I don't believe that. <laughs> he's like LeBron has figured out. LeBron told him, he told Brian Windhorst that he's figured out how to throw passes so that he can put it in his hand, and he can't do it like on the run. But he can, if he can, if he can fiddle with the ball, he can throw a pass to a guy, and it will land in the guy's hands depending upon how the guy likes the seams. Like, if a guy wants the ball on the seams, LeBron can deliver it with the seams every single time. Like, what? Nah, man.
2: What? You, what? What?
0: you can't do that. You can't do oh. that. Like, but then it's LeBron, so you're kind of like, maybe he did figure that out. <laughs> like, if anybody was going to figure it out, it's going to be LeBron. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, what's, what's the word on the street in Cleveland, man?
2: Uh,
1: they just – so they just recently lost three games in a row. And wasn't a big deal. I mean, LeBron didn't have to come out and spell R-E-L-A-X like Aaron Rodgers. It wasn't necessary. They just lost three in a row. And they won a championship last year. So nobody's really sweating. And J.R. Smith, J.R. Smith – so I will tell you what got the most talk. They – during his, during that three game losing streak they lost one game by two points. <laughs> and Charles Smith back. checked into the game. <laughs> he checked into the game. And during the action he gapped up Jason Terry, I think it was. Who's on the other team. Yes. But but during that time, the ball was inbounded, and J.R. Smith's guy scored an uncontested layup when J.R. was dapping up his boy, giving a hug, giving a pal, and the Cavs lost by two points.
2: But it's J.R.
1: It's J.R. So it was just like, okay, whatever. I, like, that's just kind of the spirit. It's like, it doesn't matter if we're the first seed, the third seed. And I did say we... um, it does not matter. It's it's just one of those things where we're hoping LeBron doesn't take two weeks off again and go to Miami. And it's just trying to get everybody healthy, man. So there's, there's just no sense of panic. You know, last year around this time when the Cavs were going up and down, David Blatt was a coach. And when I say up and down, they were still in first place, but it wasn't It just felt differently. It felt differently. Um, Is Kevin Love really the right fit for this team? Um, All these questions were swirling, and you all are familiar because it was a national story. It's just not the case now. It's not.
0: Yeah, and it seems like everybody's kind of in a good place with what this team is, where it is, and what it's going to be like. They're champions, and they'll figure it out. And they'll get it taken care of. And that's going to be the storyline until it doesn't happen. But as long as it's happened, everybody's good, you know. Um, And, yeah, they'll be the one seed in the East. I have no doubt about it. Um, They'll be the favorite going in. And if they lose, it'll be an upset. But I don't see that happening. I just don't. Um, So then we we go to the other coast. Well, not even a coast because there's no coast. I mean, there is a coast in Cleveland, but it's not a coast coast. Um, you know, you got Lake Erie, but not really a coast. Um, anyway, so you go <laughs> to the West Coast, and you got the Golden State Warriors. You got KD. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> I like. This cat's having a discussion
2: with himself. I know, I
0: was just like, whatever, just move on, man <laughs> Me to myself, move on, dog, just move on you,
2: You're messing up, let's go <laughs>
0: So we got the Warriors, who are 18-3 and three. Um, They just beat the Pacers by a gajillion points As Clay scored 60 um, You know, D. Wills, what could stop us from having Warriors cast
3: three? Wow, that's tough. Um, you know, it depends on how the Clippers continue to grow. I, I think, I mean, the Clippers have been playing uh, solid. The, the one thing when I watch the Warriors, difference between regular season basketball and playoff basketball, when teams can just focus on you. And I think the one area that the the, the Warriors have to sure up. and I know they've been um, they have Jamel McGee. You know, it's probably, it might be a steal in terms of what they're getting out of him in the paint, but that, that, the idea of them being able to protect the rim um, and battling that space, you know, they're scoring. They don't outscore anyone, but I watched that, that, uh, the, the uh, Houston game. I don't know if you had a chance to watch that overtime game in Houston. That was like, I think I was texting y'all. I was like, that was just an incredible game. Harden was incredible. But they were able to get to the, you know, Howard was able to get to the basket whatever he wanted to. And so I think, you know, what could hurt them is one of those teams like that who, when you talk about a series, can get to the basket, feel like they comfortably can defend. I think that's the challenge. But other than that, I think you're going to be looking at a, you know, Golden State and Cavaliers championship, and then that's where the chess game come come together. I think I think still think I. I don't think they replace you know, and, you know, we're talking about the Stars but you win championships championship with some role players, the glue you know, at some point that cat will come off and help you lock down defensively. And I'm not when I watch them, that's the part I don't see. Um, and it'll be interesting against those, and it only matters against teams like San Antonio some of those teams, that's where it matters it don't matter against the Pacers but it matters against the Clippers it'll matter against San Antonio,
0: and it'll be interesting to see how those matchups come together. Yeah, and,
3: it's, and um, it's, it's,
0: it's your comparison to the Clippers is really um, is really important because I think where the Clippers have gotten better is they've shored up their bench. They added Mo Spates and Ray Felton, um, Rib Shack yeah. Ray, um, as I like to call him, because um, he looked like he <laughs> he could point you in the direction of a real good rib shat. Um But Rib Shack Ray, they got Mo Spates. <laughs> A k a mo buckets um you know they they really jamal Crawford again, who looks like he did when he came out of michigan um like dude doesn't, yep. doesn't age, he's a vampire, he's a vampire, I'm, right. I'm convinced now he's a basketball playing vampire, like dude has not aged at all, he looks like he's twenty five um but he's like thirty eight <laughs> so Uh, And he played like he's 38. Like, he ain't out there. I mean, he played like he's 25. He ain't out there like a 38-year-old. Like, this dude is crossing people over. Like, 38-year-olds don't cross people over. They just don't. You know, they back you down. (laughs) Like, he has no old man game whatsoever. Like, he is not – like, dude, like, you're not 15. Like, stop, like, trying to cross me over. Put the ball between my – like, he's hot saucing – at 38. Ain't nobody doing that, man.
1: <laughs>
0: you know, no knee pads on or nothing. Like, he breaking a lot of old man rules. You know, like, 38, man. You ain't got no elbow pads on or nothing. You just out there bare skin, man. Like, you got that raw dog in it, dog. Come on, man. Put on a knee pad. You got your knees all out.
3: And <laughs> you, know you know Docs are trying to get things like, hey, man, it ain't fashion friendly, man, it ain't fashion friendly. <laughs> right, right. But do. the Clippers, I think that's where
0: the Clippers have an advantage on Golden State is the bench. And if they were to meet in a playoff series, you know, that would be a, uh, uh, a real question mark for the Warriors would be what happens um, in a game five when you have to run – you know, after playing KD for 38 minutes and Steph for 35 minutes and and you guys are tired now and this, you get deep into a series against a good team and it's a grueling series and it's a battle and their front-line guys are fresher than your front-line guys and your bench players are lesser players than their bench players. Like, that could, that could haunt them. That could come back to get them. Um, that's a real thing, I think. Um, so, then we go to the Houston Rockets and James Harden, who is flirting with the, uh, the result of uh, flirting with the possibility of leading the league in scoring and assists in the same season. And all this does for me is validate my point that Steve Nash shouldn't have never been no two-time MVP. <laughs> all right. The system. The D'Antoni system is steroids for point guard, all right? That's what it cool. is, all right? It just is. And James Harden ain't even no point guard, but he getting 29 and 12 and 7 in this system. And this system is what it really, like,
2: Steve yeah. Nash
0: is a 17 and 8 player, period. He got in the D'Antoni system and went to 20 and 12. Why? Because of D'Antoni system. Yeah. Not because Steve Nash all of a sudden became a great point guard. That's what I'm saying. That's what I've been saying, and this right here proves it. When you put another elite talent or when you put an elite talent into that system, you get ridiculous numbers. You get video game numbers, and that's what Harden is putting up. And he's doing it at a pretty efficient clip. I mean, he's shooting like 45% from the field, 36% from 80%, 80-plus percent from the line. I mean, listen, Tony's system is point guard steroids, period. <laughs> All right. You put any point guard in it, they gonna overperform. All right, they gonna overperform, the numbers are gonna be inflated and that ain't really who they are though. Um, so now that we all know that we got duped. I just wanna say that. But I wanna c I wanna come back to my man PhD and as we wrap up this conversation. Russell Westbrook, man, I know you have do you have him on your fantasy team? I do. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You, know, you ain't got to be modest, dog. You ain't got to be modest. All right, this dude has Steph Curry and Russell Westbrook right now. <laughs> I'm just gonna lay it out and there. Clay. You ain't got to be modest. And Clay, yeah. right, right, and you what you are? First or second? First or second in the league? Uh,
1: surprisingly, I'm only uh, I'm
0: like a half game out of first. Harper's doing really well. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I know you, uh, my man, Harp. And my wife, Marissa, have the three best squads in the league. Um, and I just, I, I I don't know. I I, I got to figure out how to get my life together so my wife doesn't beat me in fantasy <laughs> basketball. <laughs> Again. Again. Again, <laughs> right? Again, like, this is like, right. like, like there's no rivalry either. Like, it's not a rivalry because I'm never actually beating her. <laughs> like, she's always
2: beating yep. me. Like, her team
0: is always better than mine.
3: And
2: I
0: know she's
3: talking yeah. trash. Cause, cause yeah. Yeah. Because you can't talk trash to it better than everybody talking trash. But you think you, and you know you can't talk yeah.
0: trash to her you yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. No. So we no. Is that is that, that on, James I'll, Harden I'll AD be combination, be man? It yeah. Hey. I can't do it. Take it like a man. <laughs> got, Don't cry. You down there with
3: me, man. <laughs> you down
0: there with me. Hang
3: with me. Hey, I am. <laughs> so, uh, PHD Russell Westbrook,
0: man. I'm sure you've been following this a little bit closer than most, given that none of us are necessarily OKC fans, but I'm sure because you are locked into the fantasy hoops, like you are watching his nightly lines, and I'm sure every night you're just, like, smiling as he drops another (laughs) triple-double. Like, how is this playing out for you, man?
1: It's incredible. I mean, this dude right now is in the top ten of scoring assists, which, you know, is not overly surprising. But also rebound in the top ten. What? It it is just it's amazing and I'm hopeful that he's does that he stays healthy. He's he's carrying a lot and um I Russell has had six straight triple doubles. Six straight triple-doubles. Six straight triple-doubles. Six, all right, six straight triple-doubles. And it's the most since Jordan had seven straight during the 89 season. So he's just doing some ridiculous things, man. And I think because of this, let the Thunder, man, mess around and be a top two or three seed by the time the All-Star game rolls around. Watch out, man, if they make a splash and bring in a big-time free agent. There's talks that Paul George, Indiana, is looking to get out. Man, when you have the best player on the on the court, and I, um, he will be that in the Western Conference, um, you always have a shot. And if they put another guy with them, watch out. I mean it's it's gonna straight shift the balance, man.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. And and this is what you wanted Russ to do though when K D left though, right? Like we knew we were gonna get like F U Russ this year. Like
2: <laughs> it was gonna be
0: Russ versus the world, you know Russ versus everybody. We knew we was going to get that this year, and we have gotten it plus some. Like, And on top of it, the Thunder are winning. So it's not even like he's doing this in meaningless games or like he's stat, he stat padding um, in spite of his team winning games. Like, this is all helping his team win, um, which is just unbelievable. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Um, but there's something we thought we'd never see. Um, I I thought I'd never see a black president, and I thought I'd never see anybody average a (laughs) triple-double. And I might get to see both in my lifetime.
3: (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Technically, they said if he gets into January still averaging triple-double, he'll probably end up with triple-double because we have enough numbers that he could have some bad nights and still average.
0: Yeah, man, that's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah, because the rebounds will be the thing that make or break him. Like the assists, I yeah. think he'll get, and the points, I think he'll get. Um, it's the rebounds that I think that'll be that'll be the hard thing to keep up for a guard, for a guard. Um, but man, it's just phenomenal, just
1: phenomenal. His, his mid range game is, I mean, it is it's a thing of beauty. You see this guy get a rebound, push it and you see whoever's trying to guard him who picks him up at the three-point line, they are just retreating. I mean, they don't know what to do. <laughs> so he takes a, <laughs> Right? And he takes, a, like, one or two dribbles hard, you know, towards the basket at the free-throw line extended or the key, uh, you know, top of the key extended. And then he stops and pops, man. You know, he's shooting that 18- that to 20-footer, and there's nobody, like... We're talking point guards. There's the point guards aren't even an arm length away from him. They're that like they're further back. So he's getting these these wide open shots, and it's not in transition. It's just you don't know what this dude is going to do with it, and you have to respect him going to the rack. It's just amazing, yeah, he and will, he's not he, he will
0: eviscerate you. Yeah, he will eviscerate you yeah. at the rim if you don't if you if you ain't on your p's and q's. And, and,
3: and
2: so the thing
3: about it, shot. I'll go right ahead. I was saying, I was, I was saying the thing about it. He's got a young running mate. You see what old deepo did to uh, to your man D12. He dominated. That ain't my man.
0: man. That's Justin man. That ain't my man. That's Justin guy. Uh uh. Don't be uh uh-uh. uh. Uh uh.
3: That's
0: Justin. That's, that's <laughs> JP. <laughs> that's Justin Page, <laughs> dude. He,
3: he, he found he found a, lot, he found a young protégé who's just that angry. <laughs> It's beautiful to watch him. Like, <laughs> I'm like, one angry, and the other one angry. And they look at each other just smile. And it's like gremlins. Like, we about to eat this whole thing. That's we about to eat all this stuff.
0: Yeah, man. Dude. Russ is just, Russ is ridiculous. And, and you're right, PhD. Like, he's, he's unguardable. I mean, that's got to be him and LeBron coming at you. In transition, or just like with a head of steam, like they they coming off of a right. screen and they got some momentum, has to be one of the scariest things for a defender. Like as a dude who 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 made his bones being that guy that had to cover the other team's best dude, man, I couldn't imagine trying to like figure out what 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 I'm finna do, what I'm finna do, <laughs> what, I'm finna do. <laughs> what you want me to it's do to now,
2: <laughs> right? I'm, it's uh, all, messed it's all messed up now. Up now. <laughs> <laughs> you want me
3: to are <laughs> gonna do some straight bad boys on that one. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, yeah, uh, that,
0: that's pretty much all you can do is clotheslining, man. But see, that's the other thing. Like, anybody really trying to clothesline Russell?
3: Like, you want to
0: clothesline the angriest dude you know? Come on now. <laughs>
3: clothesline Russell Westbrook if you
0: want to, Alright <laughs> I'm telling you, you do that if you want to, man. It's not going to end well for you. It's not going to end well for you at all. So, man, we've covered a lot of ground tonight. We went overtime with this podcast because it's just been so long since we've been back in the booth together, man. We had to to do one of those, uh, like, eight-minute scenario posse cuts um, that that rappers used to do back in the day where you had, like, seven MCs on a song, except we just all took two verses. (laughs) So you you just got six verses on a pocket cut from three dudes. (laughs) It's been so long, man. It's been so long. Um, You listen to the Real Sports Guys, realsportsguys.com, RSD Renegade Radio, brought to you by Carbon World Health, your complete solution for fitness, health, and beauty. Go to carbonworldhealth.com to connect with Dr. Nestor Rodriguez and his staff to learn more about lifestyle medicine. Make sure you let them know that you heard about Carbon World Health from the real sports guys, all right? Let them know that, all right, because they support us and we want to support them. Um, shout out to Dr. Nestor Rodriguez. Man, I called that brother Ernesto. I apologize, Nestor. Um, real cool cat. I got to meet him in person. Something in my mind, just Nestor, Ernesto, it just messed up. I, I I apologize, man. I, I claim to be a professional with this. Um, yeah, that was that was that was my bad. That was my bad. That was my he bad.
2: Yeah, man. He took yeah. it in stride though. He okay. took it in stride. <laughs>
0: That's what I thought I heard, man. You know, I'm trying to do multiple things at the same he, time, trying to he, control the board, man. It's just, yeah, my bad. <laughs> it
2: was all love. It was all love. Y'all got It was. It was. It was.
0: And he was a real good sport about it, man. He took it in stride. He didn't flinch. You know, he didn't flinch at all. So, um, appreciate the support, man. <laughs> appreciate the support um, and everything that they're doing to kind of advance, you know, health and, and getting people to think about how they manage their health while maintaining a certain lifestyle, staying fit um so they do a great job over at carbon world health check them out if you have a chance if you're in madison um one of the the newer businesses in the area but they're doing big things um but that does it for this show fellas we're gonna wrap this bad boy up phd you get the last word
1: so you know take it away man thank you um it, it has been a great great show fellas i really enjoyed it i was, over here, cracking up. Um, for the last word, I want to give a shout out to a football life, the show on the NFL Network, which is kind of like the thirty for thirties, but it's just on people who football players or coaches or contributors. It is it is high quality. I just saw, I just watched the one on Troy Aikman. And any listeners out there, you know, it may be something. Hey, seen one or two. If you want to binge watch and and just see some really in depth stories about some of the you know biggest stars in football over the last couple of um, decades, it it is just outstanding. They had one on Jim Brown about a month ago. That one was a really good one. And just, you know, this is probably the fourth or fifth season that they've been doing it. It is just excellent. I remember one of my favorite ones was with Marco, and they just talked about um, just his process of, you know, being a top quarterback in the country or one of the top ones in Washington, but in the late 70s, he really didn't get an opportunity to play in NFL. He went to Canada. It's, it's just a phenomenal series. And the one on Troy Aikman was really um, – was really, it touched me. I was a big Dallas fan growing up. Um, at least when they were good, and they, they, they were winning, but it was really more of, of them and, and, and Michael Irving and some of the other bigger personalities like Jimmy Johnson or Jerry Jones or Switzer that really got the headlines in a lot of the biotics that you've seen um, with the Cowboys. And normally... It's not a whole lot about Aiden, but this one was all about A, and it was interesting to see how outspoken he was about um, uh, Jimmy Jimmy Johnson, especially Switzer, and just the backstory. And I don't want to give much of it away, but I mean it got pretty pretty graphic in terms of you know Troy's frustration with those coaches. So my last word is just. Um, I think in 2016, there's so much excellent sports programming out there. But at the same time, we we kind of get swarmed with so many options as far as games, you know, college football. It used to be you watched the Mac, you know, there was one Mac game on per week and that was a lot. Now you can watch pretty much all of them. But the uh, – kind of like the uh, the video magazines, like 30 for 30 and the Football Life. They are just excellent. You just really want to dive in, dig in on some uh, great stories, and they're done at a really high quality. So next week, Real Sports Guys.